0: Go ahead and subscribe, and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in, and be blessed.
1: We don't call them in-laws because they're not under the law. They're under grace. So this is my father and my mother-in-law. She's in-law. This is my father and my mother-in-law <laughs> and my brother, KJ. I was going to make a joke about you in a minute, but you know what? That would be inappropriate, so I love you. <laughs> there we go. So they're here with us this morning. Feel free to hug them and make them feel real uncomfortable. Kiss them on both sides of the you know. <laughs> no. Um, What was I saying? Oh, so anyways, so anyways, today's message came out of we were uh, on our way to Israel. And about two days before we went to Israel, I found out that Hillsong United had released a new song for a new CD that had, was about to come out. And the song is called There's Another in the Fire. I'm sorry, it's called Another in the Fire. So anyways, I downloaded I listened to it. I thought, man, this is awesome. And the day we were leaving for the trip... I was at my parents' house. I downloaded it to their computer so they might have some viruses. And anyways, I downloaded it to their computer and I put it in my uh, in my phone so I could listen to it while I was on our trip for about 11 days. For the entire 11 days, I listened to no other song other than there's another in the fire. And it was after we came back from Israel that we found out, um, hey, you guys, guess what? We, we, we told you you'd never have 30 days. You got 30 days. So it was just kind of funny. Well, I love the song anyways, not for what it spoke to me in the moment. But the more I listened to the song, the more I was singing around the house, all of a sudden it dawned on me, the Lord, again, had been inputting things into me. There's another in the fire. You're not in the fire alone. There's someone else in the fire with you. And so out of that, I started realizing, again, my heavenly father had been preparing me long before I arrived here. And I felt so impressed from the Lord to share that with all of you this morning because the more I get to talk to some of you individually, the more I'm realizing a lot more people are in fire. And where our church will really won't be has nothing to do with the problems that you're already facing outside of this place. And so I felt impressed from the Lord. Son, share. There's someone else in the fire with you. And I'll tell you, I, don't know, I just got excited. And so out of it came this. What happens when you're praying for something to happen, but the worst case scenario still happens? What happens? What do you do? What's your response? all of us would love to think that we are men and women of faith. Well, I stand firm on the word of God. I tell you, I declare in the name of Jesus that this will not happen. But what happens when it does happen? (laughs) Can Can we talk about that? Is that okay? What happens when the worst case scenario happens? When the thing you are praying for and believing for doesn't happen and the worst possible case scenario happens? Now in this church, we talk a lot about trusting in the Lord because the Lord loves you. And I love to base everything we do on the love of God. I won't go back into that. We talked about that last week. But when you know that God loves you, it doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how high the waves may be. It doesn't matter how big the giant is or how loud the giant is. When you know that your heavenly father loves you, you know, you don't have to go into the battlefield. Your heavenly David has already stepped onto the battlefield for you. Is everyone with me? So again, what happens when the worst case scenario happens? And so this morning I'm going to share from that angle, if that's all right. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to first Peter chapter five, verse eight. Anyways, first Peter, chapter five, verse eight. I'm going to read down to verse 10. How are you? Amen. First yes. Peter, five, verse eight. Peter says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I put this in gold. Before we move on, um, keep in mind the verses before this. If I had my Bible, I could open it. But the verses before this, he says this. Cast all your cares on him. And in due time, God will elevate the humble. All right. Resist. um, I can't remember. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. And it says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. And then he goes on to say, I can't remember the rest of it. But the point is this. He says, in due time, he will elevate you. But resist Satan and he will flee from you. Then he comes to verse eight. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Now, notice real quick. He says, be sober. Why? Don't be emotionally caught up in what's happening. It looks like it's bad, but don't get caught up in the emotion and all the chaos and the music and the loud noise. Don't let all those things sway your, your decisions. At the end of the day, be sober. Right now, it might hurt. Right now, you might be emotional. Wait to make a decision. All right. Wait before you make a decision. Be sober and be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. He's not a lion. In fact, my uh, my wife's uncle said this this morning. Think about it like this. What lion? Have you ever seen uh, a nature show where a lion comes roaring out the tree line, roaring the entire time and chases down his prey? Have you ever seen that? Think about it. What do they do when they want to find their prey? They're quiet. Are you with me? (laughs) You don't see a lion. You don't hear a lion before he attacks (laughs) No lion comes roaring around the corner, finding, trying to find prey, but the devil does. <laughs> he comes making a lot of noise before he gets close to you. So he's, he, he's, he goes about as a roaring lion, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I put that in gold because there's a group of people that he cannot devour. There's a group of people at 5415 Airport Drive that Satan wants to devour you. He wants to devour me. He wants to devour all of us. But there's a group of people that he cannot devour. So he's going about like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion. And, you know, in the book of Proverbs, Solomon says this. The wrath of the king is like the roaring of a, you know, lion. So what is Satan's tactic? Run around yelling at people. God is angry at you. God is not happy with you. God is upset with you. God is. And that's what he does. That's what he does. In fact, one of the um, one of the things I was meditating on, the Lord impressed this on me. One of the ways that he he does this is this. He tells you, you wouldn't be here if you hadn't done this. You wouldn't be going through this if you had done something different. What you're experiencing is because of what you have done. And this is why you're going through it. And that's nothing more than the roaring of a lion. Are you with me? But aren't you glad he has to find people he can devour? And he can't devour anyone here by the grace of God. And everyone said... Amen. There we go. So verse nine says, resist him steadfast in the faith. I love I love when he says in the faith, because it always means in rest. How do you win? You don't go on the battlefield and fight. You don't fight. (laughs) Because if you fight, he sits down. But if you rest, he fights. So resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. Now, I wanted to share this verse so much. You know why? Because one of the tactics that the enemy uses against God's people is to make them think they are special and they are unique. Now, I know we tell our children you're special. Yes. Right? Our children are special to us. But Satan wants you to think you're the only one going through this. Are you with me? No one else is going through what you're going. You're the only person. And Peter is telling the, the uh, he's telling the Jewish believers spread abroad. They've all been dispersed. They were all trying to stay in Jerusalem and they had to go out because of persecution. And now they're they're, they're trying to figure out what do we do? How do we keep going on? The temple's been destroyed. Uh, we're being persecuted everywhere we go. And he tells them, hey, stand fast in the faith. Resist the devil. Know this. What you're going through is not an isolated event. Everyone across the board is going through it. And I can tell you this morning, I may not be going through what you're going through, but we are all going through something together. <laughs> you are not alone. And I to be honest, listen, that makes me happy. Thank God I am not the only one suffering. I'm not the only one going through this, Lord. I mean it. That doesn't mean I'm happy you're suffering. Okay. (laughs) I'm not happy you're suffering, but I'm happy to know that I'm in the trenches and someone else is in the trenches with me. Are you with me? So take heart. We're in this together. Everyone said? Oh, you're so quiet this morning. There we go. But notice, what's the answer? May the God of all. Oh, that was grace. one, two, three. May the God of all. Grace. How does the God of what? Grace. Oh, man. What's God's answer to your sufferings? The God of all grace. Grace is the answer. Grace is the answer. The God of all grace. He could have said the God of love, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of. I mean, he could have named a number of things, but he chose to intentionally and purposely say, but may the God of all grace, because the answer you need is not do more. The answer you need is see more, see more of Jesus. That's the answer you need. You don't need to do more. You need to see more. So may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, may he perfect, establish, strengthen and settle you. Now, I didn't want to have too many slides and I didn't want to have too much Greek, too much Hebrew this morning. So I'll just go ahead and paraphrase so you know. Is that all right? May he perfect you means this. May everything that's missing from you, may he put it back together. Now, when God puts something back together, again, we love this. Oh, man, my mom put me on this one. (laughs) When God restores, he never restores it back the way it was. All right. When your car gets hit, he doesn't give you a car that's equal. He gives you a car that's 120% more. Are you with me? Based on the law of restoration we see in the Old Testament. So when he says, may he perfect you, what he's saying is this. Whatever you're missing, may God put it back together and make you greater. Are you with me? Then he says this. May he establish you. The word establish looks like the word settle, which is the fourth thing he does. But it's not the same. The word establish in the Greek actually means may he point you in the right direction. That means if you've suffered for a little while and some of us have suffered long enough. All right. By the grace of God, may your suffering end this morning. All right. Whatever you might be going through, the Lord is going to put everything back together again, make you better. Then he's going to say, if you've been spun around or you turn and you're not sure where to go, I'm going to point you in the right direction. Are you with me? I'm going to point you in the right direction. Then strengthen you. Doesn't take a rocket scientist. Strengthen means strengthen. I'm going to give you strength. And then what does he say? Settle you. I'm going to establish you. That's really what the word settle right here means. I'm going to plant you firmly. Where you might have been moved before, you won't be moved again. What the enemy throws at you this time, listen, you won't have to suffer with this again. You won't have to suffer with it again. If you will approach this the right way. What does that mean? Let the God of grace do his job. Let him do his job. He loves you. You are the God of grace because you are the God of grace. I can't do anything. I just have to let you love me. I want to break out in a song, but I won't do that to you. I won't to. I won't do that to you. You love me. I love you. So I love you. If I didn't love you, I would sing. (laughs) I won't do that to you. Now, again, you're not alone. Let's fast. Let's keep going. Look in the book of Hebrews chapter two In Hebrews chapter two. The author of Hebrews says this. Therefore, in all things, Jesus had to be made like his brethren. Now, I want to be very careful. I hate taking verses out of context. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I despise it. But for the sake of not having so many slides. All right. I took this verse out of context, but the context supports everything I'm saying this morning. So go home. Study these verses. Amen. Therefore, in all things, Jesus had to be made like his brethren. Who is that? Us. In all things, Jesus had to be made like you and me. Why? That he, may, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Now watch this. Every area where you have suffered in, Jesus suffered in the same way. Why? So that he can help you in the midst of what you're going through right now. Are you with me? What you're going through is not foreign to him. What you might be going through is not something he has no. Father, I've never seen anything like this. Well, Jesus, let's, let's try to put something together. Jesus, right? Jesus went through everything that we could ever possibly go through. He suffered in every single way so that when you went through this problem, he could look at you in the eyes and say, I've been here, I'm here so I can help you. Yes. Amen. I am here to help you. In fact, let's keep going. Two chapters later in Hebrews 4, 14, it says this, seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, Let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. You know what that means? That means next time you're tempted and you fail, you can stand up and rejoice and say, God, I didn't have enough faith to believe you. So I broke down and I fell apart. But thank God that Jesus, when he was tempted like me, didn't fall apart. Jesus stood up and he didn't fail. He didn't sin. And you will never judge me on me. You will always judge me on his perfection. Now I have the freedom to cry. I have the freedom to say, "Oh, what am I going to do? I have the freedom to just fall apart. <laughs> I know we don't teach that in church, right? <laughs> be a man of faith. Yeah, right? I want all of us to be children of faith, men and women of faith. I do. And I want you to stand up and be bold, but I want you to know that you are free to say, God, I give up. I quit. <laughs> You're free. You're free. Because he does. Look, look what does he call him? Our high priest. What is the high priest? God says, if I keep judging you based on you, I will never be able to love you. I'll never be able to bless you. So here's your high priest. And from now on, I will judge you in him. If he is perfect, then I'll bless you as if you're perfect. If he is good, I'll bless you as if you're good. What if I fall apart? Did your high priest? Then I'll bless you anyways. That's what a high priest is. That's what our high priest is. Jesus in all his perfection was tempted like me and everywhere I failed, he didn't. So God says, I'm going to bless Matthew anyways. That's why when the world looks at you and they say, how can your your coworkers, your family members, how can you? Who do you? How can you? I have a high priest. I have a high priest and God blesses me in the perfection of my high priest. As perfect as he is, so am I in this world as holy as he is. So am I in this world. Are you with me? As Jesus is, so are we in this world because he is our high priest. Amen. And he can sympathize with every weakness. He can sympathize with every sorrow, every pain because he was tempted in the same way. Look at the next verse, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. To help in time of need. I can tell you, you know, just just kind of in the last couple of days, God, what in the world is going? What am I going to do? And you know what? Come, you're you're seated on the throne of grace. You see, when he wrote this, he wrote this to the Jews who were still saying the the messianic believers. They were going back and forth between the law and grace. They were going back and forth between animal sacrifices and 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 Jesus is the way. And the apostle, I believe, it was the apostle Paul who wrote it. He said this: Look, you're going back and forth. You're trading one for the other. You think both help. Listen, you will not get to heaven one day and all the angels will declare holy and worthy is the lamb and Matthew Edwards. No, they will only say worthy is the lamb, Jesus Christ. Stop trying to help God with your sacrifices. Stop trying to help God with all your good works because there's not good works it's dead works. All the things you're doing to, to get God to bless you is really just dead works. And what he was trying to say was, "Look, stop, stop trying to help Jesus. He was good enough. Let him be and stop going back to your own efforts. Rest in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Rest in the sacrifice of your savior. Rest in him. And that's what he was trying to say, but they kept going back and forth. And so what does he say? Look, in your time of need, go back to the throne of grace, not go back to the Ten Commandments, not go back to the law. Don't go to a pastor who's going to give you something to do. Go back to the throne of grace that says there's nothing to do but to sit down. And all of us, the Apostle Paul never told us that. You know why? Because we are not like the Jewish believers back then. We are in Christ. And as Christ is seated on that very throne, guess where you are? Seated in heavenly places with him on that throne. You are seated on the throne of grace. Therefore, we don't have to go back to the throne. You're already there. You're already there. In Romans 5, man, I'm getting ahead of myself. In Romans 5, he says this, it's by faith you have access into grace in which you stand. Everywhere you are, you're standing in grace. Everywhere you are, you are seated on the throne of grace. Everywhere you are, God's answer is already there. It's already there. You don't have to wait. Oh, God, please send the answer. No, no, it's already there. No, I'm I'm sorry. I mean, (laughs) what happens when the worst case scenario? Now, listen, listen. I said all this to say this. The Lord wants you to know no matter what you're going through, he's always with you. He's always with you. Did you know that in the Old Testament, when Moses, we all, most of us know the story of the burning bush, right? The children of Israel were in slavery for, I think, 400 years. I think it was like 400 plus years. And the Bible says that they cried out. It doesn't say they cried out to God. It says they cried out because of the oppression. And God heard them crying out. So God sent a deliverer, Moses. But they had to wait for the deliverer to grow up. <laughs> when he was about 80 years old, he runs from Egypt and he finds himself in the wilderness. While he's in the wilderness, one day he's tending to sheep. And one of the sheep goes astray and he follows the sheep to bring it back like a good shepherd would. And all of a sudden he sees a bush that's on fire. It's burning, but it's not burning up. Interesting. Something's on fire, but it's not burning out. How does that happen? It catches his attention long enough. And all of a sudden the Lord speaks to him out of the flames, meaning that the Lord himself presents himself as a tree that was on fire. Now, for years, I thought just a cool picture. Right. But did you know that in Deuteronomy chapter four, verse 20? Look at this. Deuteronomy 4 verse 20, the Lord speaks and he says this, but the Lord has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt to be his people and inheritance as you are this day. Now, why am I showing you this? Because God saw that his people were in a furnace. So what did he do? He presents himself also in a furnace. Whatever you're going through, you're not going through it apart from him. Whatever you're going through, he sees himself going through it with you. Are you with me? He sees himself going through every problem you're going through. When Joshua was the general of the children of Israel, and he said, I don't know how we're going to conquer Jericho. Why in the world would you give us Jericho first, Lord? Of all the enemies we could conquer, you give us Jericho. I mean, the walls are so big that they have chariot races on the walls. God, how are we going to get through Jericho? And you know what Jesus does? He presents himself to Joshua at nighttime as the commander of the armies of the Lord. Joshua is a commander. Jesus appears as a commander. Whatever you're going through, I am going through it with you. You're not going through it by yourself. I'm not up here somewhere watching you go through it to send you help. I'm in it with you. Yes. Whatever you're going through, I'm in it with you. That's why I keep telling my wife, he's with me. Back off. <laughs> They're here today. I have to be good. <laughs> but, right? but you're not going through it alone. You, you never you never go through it alone. You know, when, when When they left Egypt, the Bible says that they all lived in tents. They lived in tents like nomads. They lived in tents. The children of Israel, when they came out of slavery, they lived in tents. Do you know what God did? Build me a tent. (laughs) Build me a tent. And God lived in a tent just like his people. And he lived in the middle of the congregation. You know why? You're in the wilderness. I'm in the wilderness with you. I'm I'm not up here watching you. I'm in it with you. I'm with you. Every problem you go through, I'm going through it with you. Are you with me? When they finally arrived in the promised land, fast forward a couple hundred years. David is the king and David looks and realizes we're all living in houses of wood and stone. And he looks outside his window and sees. But the Ark of the Covenant, where the presence of God is, is still in a tent. Why is God living in a tent? We're living in houses. And you know what the Lord said? You did well to want to build a house for me. Because David saw something no one else did. God is not somewhere else watching us. God is in this with us. Are you with me? I'm telling you this morning, look, I don't know what you're going through, but I can say this as a church. The Lord is in this church with us. Amen. And what was said to us wasn't just said to us. It was also said to him because we're not in this alone. And I'm telling you the same thing. I don't know what you heard before you came in this Sunday, but I'm telling you what was said to you was not just said to you. It was also said to him because you are not alone. I don't care what the doctors say. They didn't just say it to you. They said it to him as well. And I'm telling you this morning, he is the Lord our healer. And let me let's make it let's make it better. He's not just your healer, he is your healing. Are you with me? He's not just your protector, he's your protection. Whatever you need from him this morning, they didn't say it to you. Whatever the problem is, it wasn't just spoken to you. I'm telling you, the lion thinks he's only roaring at you, but you would do well to know whatever the devil yells at me, he's not yelling it to just me, he's also yelling it to my heavenly father. So, hey, I can relax <laughs> because he knows what I have need of before I ask. Are you with me? So you're never alone. Now, let me show you one of my favorite stories to prove this, this fact. And Jesus is going to show it. We were on the Sea of Galilee when we went to Israel. I'm going to stop talking about it. But man, Israel was awesome. We were we were in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. And I said, question, where was it that he fed the oh, he fed the five thousand right here, said, right there, right here. And that's where the Mount of Beatitudes is. And up there was the city on the hill he referenced. I'm like, so this is he said, yeah. And I said. He fed 5,000, but the Bible says he sent them out on the water. After he fed 5,000, they were on the water in a boat. Then Jesus came walking on the water. So we're on the path Jesus would have came walking on the water. Oh, man. Isn't that cool? You got to go to Israel. (laughs) So anyways, let me show you what happens. Look at this in Mark chapter 6. It says, then Jesus saw them straining. Now, keep in mind, the backdrop is this. Jesus has just fed the people and he sends his disciples. He says, you go to the other side. I'm going to stay here and pray. While they're going, he sends the crowds away and he goes up on a rock to pray. While he's praying, he looks down and he sees his disciples straining at the rowing. Now, I want you to keep in mind, Jesus today is at the right hand of the Father, making what for all of us? It's a picture of Jesus. It's a picture. I want you to see the picture. Jesus is on a mountain praying to the Father while they're on the ocean, on the sea, trying to get to the other side. What do we see? Jesus is about to come to his disciples. Jesus is about to come to all of us. And in fact, the Bible says that the fourth watch of night, he came walking to them at the darkest hour. He came out to them on the water. Anytime you see the waters, it always speaks in the Bible. It speaks of the nations of the world. Are you with me? So Jesus is making intercession. He's praying and he sees them. Verse, what, verse 48. It says, then he saw them straining at rowing for the wind was against them. Notice the wind was against them. You know, in the Bible, wind many times speaks of spirits. Interesting. What's what's happening with the church right now? The wind is against the church. Wait with me? Anyways, the wind was against them. Now about the fourth watch of night, he came to them walking on the sea. And I put this in gold. And would have what? He would have passed them by. Now for years, I always thought, man, Jesus is so cool. <laughs> but if I was in that boat, he loses all his cool points. We're out here straining. About to die. And Jesus is about to pass us. Now look, <laughs> when I was getting ready for this morning, I saw this, and man, I got so excited. He is so in tune to what you're going through. He wants you to know, I will never be up here while you go through this down here." He sees them struggling on the water, and he says, "I'm going to come out there to them." In a sense, what he's saying is this, in a sense, you can take it or leave it. But in a sense, what he's saying is this: They struggle in the water, but listen, where are they? They're on the water, right? They're struggling. But he would never struggle because he's Jesus. So what does he do? I'll be in the same problem with you. But I want you to see what I'm doing. Are you with me? Now, look, when we put our eyes on him, even we can walk on water. So what's the point? He's not going to get in the boat and struggle with us because he doesn't struggle. So he comes out and says, you're in the water. I'm in the water with you. Well, Lord, I'm struggling. I want you to see me. And he was so in tune with what he was doing. I want them to see the picture so much that I'm going to keep walking until they see me walk away. Now, what happens next? Watch this. And when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed it was a ghost and cried out for they all saw him and were troubled. But immediately he talked with them and said, be of good cheer. It is I do not be afraid. Now, watch this. He was walking by. They missed the point. It's a ghost. (laughs) He stops and says, it's just me. Relax. And he has to come back and calm their hearts. My point is this. You can never go through something by yourself. You will never be alone. You will never be alone. Whatever you're going through, you will never be alone. And Jesus, I'm t- <laughs> he doesn't struggle with the things we struggle with. He always walks on top of it. But we would do well to put our eyes on him so we can walk on top of it, too. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm, gonna, uh, I'm on the down end of this. That was a short one this week, wasn't it? Ah, You know me better than that. We got another hour and a half. You ready? <laughs> All right. Let me tell you a story real quick before we uh, move on. Okay, it's going to be in Daniel chapter three. And most of us know the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. But if you don't, I'm going to tell you the story this morning. Okay, now the story of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Keep in mind, the children of Israel, they were living in the promised land. They were finally living in the promised land. And the Bible says that they did not honor the Sabbath year. Finally, God said enough is enough. They kept skipping the Sabbath year. And finally, in Second Chronicles, the last chapter of Chron- Second Chronicles, God says, because you would not let my land rest, all of you are going into captivity. So he brings a king called Nebuchadnezzar. And Nebuchadnezzar takes all the Israelites and he takes the majority of them into captivity. Now they're in bondage, in slavery. Are you with me? And he takes them back to a place called, does anyone know? Babylon. Babylon. Which comes from the root word Babel remember the Tower of Babel we call it the Tower of Babel you know what Babel means it means confusion Babel means confusion at the Tower of Babel God confused their languages which is why we have so many languages in the world today fast forward King Nebuchadnezzar takes God's people into captivity but he doesn't take them to Babel he takes them to a place called Babylon now Babylon what does Babylon mean some people say oh it means confusion as well it actually means this confusion by mixture Confusion by mixture. What happened was this. In the church, we preach, receive Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Now, these are the five steps. (laughs) Is it him or is it me? (laughs) And what happened was this because it sounded good. It appeals to our flesh. And we say just enough Jesus to keep people coming. The two come together and it's called mixture. And God's people have actually been in bondage for the last 2,000 plus years because we haven't been preaching the unadulterated grace of God. We've been preaching what to do with Jesus, which is grace. And we've been keeping God's people in bondage all these years. It's confusion by mixture. Are you with me? So anyways, what happens is this. They're in Babylon. While they're in Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar comes up with a plan. He says, look, I want all the young men who are good, strong, good looking. I want them in my palace. He says, but look... Uh, well, I'll skip some of the Read the book of Daniel for yourself. OK, now he's got these young men set up. Daniel, I don't remember their names, their Hebrew names, but he gives them all different names, uh, names that appeal to their people in their culture. The three other boys outside of Daniel were Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. OK, now Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are most known for this story that we're going to talk about. While they're there, one day the king comes up with a great plan from his advisors. Oh, king, let's set up a statue of you. And let's play the harp and all the instruments. And when we play the music, everyone in your kingdom should bow down to the image of you because you are so great. O King. he says, that's a great idea. Let's do that. So they play the music and everyone in the kingdom bows down. But when everyone bows down, three young boys don't bow down. And guess who it is? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They refuse to bow down. Now, when they don't bow down, they stick out like a sore thumb. So the advisors go back to the king. They say, oh, king, there's three boys who didn't bow down. What should we do? Are you ready for the story? Let's pick up in Daniel chapter three. Oh, I didn't put it in here because I didn't want to have too many slides. Okay, that's my defense every week. Have you noticed that? (laughs) All right. So anyways, they go to the king and they say, king, there's three boys who won't. He says, what are you? Come on. No, they won't bow down. So they come up with a plan. If anyone won't bow down, you should have a furnace of fire set up. And anyone who doesn't bow down, tell them they'll be thrown into the fiery furnace. That's how they'll be killed. They won't be killed by beheading. We won't slash them with a sword. No, we'll put them in the fiery furnace. What a horrible way to die, right? So the king says, great, let's institute that as a law. So they play the music again. And guess what? The three boys don't bow down again. So then we come to Daniel chapter three, verse 14. It says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them, saying, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at the time, you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Now, I want you to i put that in gold because, man, I, when I saw that, I got excited. Don't let the enemy say that to you. And he's going to say it anyways, but don't don't let that hit you here. Never let the question be, who is the God that will deliver you? Never let that don't even put that on the table. All right. Now, let's see what happens. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego answered and said to the king, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. If they had stopped there, it would have been great. That can preach. (laughs) He will deliver us, O king. I don't care what you think, he will deliver us from your hand. But then they threw the next part in there. And I think the Lord that the Holy Spirit saw fit to keep this in there as well. But if not... Let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Again, what happens when the thing you're praying for not to happen happens? When the thing you're asking God, God, please, I need this. To and it doesn't. What happens? What do you do? What do you do? Are you ready? Let's watch this. Verse 19. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and all other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, The flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now watch this. They're taking the three boys into the fire. But as they're taking them in, it gets so hot that they fall and die themselves. Are you with me? They're trying to push them in and they end up dying. So if they're dead and the three boys aren't in the fire yet, what happens? (laughs) And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Now listen, they got close enough that they themselves died, but the three boys end up falling in anyways. Now, if I'm one of them, I'll say Meshach because my name is Matthew. If I'm Meshach and I'm looking at the other two, I'm like, come on, guys, we got to pray. All right, you're you're bound, so you're praying, God, please don't let this, please. And then you see the other men who are supposed to bring you, you see them fall and they start dying. Now I'm praying very loudly, very, very loudly. But then you fall into the fire. Come on, Lord. Now, now watch this. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke to his counselors. Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Now watch this. Some of us know the story from when we were kids. I know the story from children's church. But the reason why I wanted to share this this morning was this. What did King Nebuchadnezzar see? What did he see? He saw four. He saw four. And he said the fourth one, not the other three, the fourth one is like the son of God himself. He saw Jesus. Now I want want to ask you, what did the three boys see? Did they see Jesus with them? We have no account that the three boys, ever read the rest of the story for yourself. There's no account that they said we saw him with us. But their enemy saw Jesus with them. Are you with me? And I'm telling you, I felt so impressed on the Lord. Whatever you are going through, listen, your enemy sees the fourth. You are not alone in the fire. There is someone else in the fire with you. I don't care how bad it looks. There is someone in the fire with you. Whether you see him or not, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. You are not on your own. Whatever it looks like, you are not on your own. He is with you. And I'm telling you, for me, it was like, okay, Lord, what about the church? What am I going to do? What about my job? What about, you know, my life at home and all these other things? And the Lord said, son, there's someone else in the fire with you. You're not alone. You are never alone. And you would do well to see Jesus with you in the fire. Now listen, they went in bound, but now they're loose. Now you say, well, the fire burnt the ropes up. That's one idea. But let me show you why I don't think the fire burnt the ropes up. I submit to you that they probably did see Jesus. It doesn't say that they did, but I submit to you they probably did. And you want to know why? Because the fourth one went into the fire. He wasn't bound. Like with me. When they go into the fire, he looks and he says that they're all free. None of them are bound. Now watch this. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of their head was not singed nor were their garments affected and the smell of fire was not on them. See, when I was a kid, I used to think, well, the fire burnt the ropes off, but if the fire burnt the ropes, why didn't it burn their clothes? They saw Jesus free. They became free. I'm telling you, if you see Jesus in the midst of your problem, see him walking on the water, you yourself will walk on top. You don't need to do more. You just need to see more. I'm telling you, whatever you're going through, just see Jesus right there in the middle of it. See Jesus right there with you. See, Lord, I'm hurting. I'm physically hurting. See Jesus hurting at the cross for you. Because what hurts you, hurts him. What moves you, moves him. His heart for you is so full. He will never leave you to go through it by yourself. He's with you. He is always with you. You know, the book of Matthew opens up. The angels declare his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. You know that the book of Matthew closes. Jesus says, I will be with you even to the end of the age. I'm always with you. You will never be alone. And what's the price he had to pay to say, I will never. You know, in the Old Testament, Abraham was great. Jesus came to Abraham with two angels. But Jesus had to leave because if Abraham sins, Abraham dies. Not in the presence of him. Abraham will die. But today, even when you sin, even when you sin, The blood of Christ has removed all our failures. So even when you sin, his grace is greater and his love will still manifest the solution. What do we do when the worst case scenario happens? See Jesus, see Jesus with you. Lord, I I asked you, Lord, what happened? (laughs) I pled the blood, I did this, I did that. A couple of years, about two years ago, I told you I had back pain, right? and i was taking communion taking and i took it for about 2 or 3 days and i said lord i'm taking communion what's what's not working and the lord said because communion is not a button you can't push communion and get healing that's not how it works it's supposed to be a relationship it's the same thing there are no there's no formula there's no recipe there's no do these things and you'll be fine Listen, Jesus said, Don't think because I'm here that you'll never have problems. You will have problems. (laughs) The world hated me, they hate you. You will have problems. But in every problem you have, take heart because I've overcome the world. There's nothing that you'll ever encounter that I haven't already won. You will have problems. You can't get away from that. I'm sorry, you don't have to claim that by faith. Guess what? (laughs) You have problems let me bring this to a close, I'm sorry, let me bring this to a close Daniel chapter 3 verse 29, two more places and we'll close Daniel chapter 3 29 says, therefore King Nebuchadnezzar says therefore I make a decree that any people, nation or language which speaks anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made in ashy because there is no other God who can deliver like this then the king promoted, promoted, he did what? (laughs) God didn't just give them back their life. He promoted them. That's the 20% left over. Then he promoted. Where are we at? Promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. They were in captivity. And God said, I'll promote you even in your captivity, even in your bondage. I'm going, Lord, set me free. He goes, no, the time isn't yet. So I'll promote you while you're here. Everywhere you find yourself, may the Lord continue to promote you. Like Joseph, even if you find yourself under someone else's command, may the Lord continue to elevate you and promote you by his grace. And everyone said, Let me close with this. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. The Apostle Paul says, and not only that. And again, I hate to take verses out of context. Read it for yourself. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. He says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. No one loves to preach that service. (laughs) We also glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. And perseverance character. And character hope. Now watch this. Now hope does not disappoint Hope does not disappoint. And we already know the rest of it. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And we say this all the time. What does the word hope mean? In the Greek, it's the word elpis, which literally means a confident expectation. Confident expectation for the believer. Confident expectation of good. Now, I'm I'm happy he just said of good. Because some believers go, Lord, I want you to do this for me right now. I want you to slay this giant right now. My hope is you will slay the giant right now. And the whole time the Lord is going, stop expecting individuals. Expect good. Expect good. Because when you expect good, you open the door for me to do more of what I want to do for you. Know that it will be good. It will be good. You say, well, Lord, I need I need five of these by 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock comes around, God, I don't have it. The Lord is saying, just expect good. Yeah. Just expect good. Lord, you, you missed the deadline. I didn't miss the deadline. You just want this. And I'm trying to give you more. Just expect good. They probably got close to the fire and said, good would be not going in, Lord. And the Lord is going, just go. <laughs> just go into the fire. And I'm telling you right now, you know, for me, if I'm honest, I'm like, Lord, I don't want to be in this flame right now. I don't want to be in this fire. I do feel like I'm in a furnace. I will be honest with you. As the pastor, I'll be vulnerable. Don't judge me. I do. I feel like I'm in a furnace right now. But you know who's in the furnace with me? Here you go. There you go. You know who's in, you know how did God present himself to the deliverer in a furnace? Whatever you're going through know this, he is with you. He is with you. And I say this It's because the titles on the screen. There is another in the fire. You are never by yourself. And everyone said Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And Father, we thank you for your truth that declares we are never alone. You are always with us. You are always with us. And this morning, Father, we release every expectation of things that we thought, we thought you would do. Everything that we were hoping that you would do in that moment. And this morning we submit, we submit to your word that says we expect good. We expect good. We put our hope not in a, in a specific outcome, but we put our hope in your heart for us. We put our expectation in your heart for us. And Father, this morning, I declare over everyone in here, because you love us, good will always be the end result. 120% will always be the end result. And Father, I declare every mountain that might be standing in the way of anyone in this church, every furnace that someone might seem like they're standing in this morning. Father, whatever the weight is that's trying to weigh them down, this morning we silence the voice of the lion that's roaring. We silence that voice. We cast our cares on you because you care for us. And we declare that by your grace, you are moving. By your grace, you've already provided. By your grace, you've already provided the answer and the solution. By your grace, you've already done the work. It's already finished. So this morning we submit to you, we say soberly, We don't have to be afraid anymore. We don't have to be afraid. And this morning, Jesus, we put our eyes on you. As you walk above the storms, may we walk above the storm like you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just take two minutes real quick. Just out of your own heart. Thank you, Jesus. Just tell them thank you for whatever you might be going through. Say it by faith if you have to. Jesus, you've already brought me through whatever. Just out of your own heart this morning if you could. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you see us through every problem. You hold our hand through every problem. You uphold us by your righteous right hand, and in that same hand, you lead us through the flames. Thank you, Jesus. Even as David said... When we get off track, your rod and your staff are not to hurt us, but they are to protect us. You march us through the valley of the shadow of death. We have nothing to be afraid of because there's only a shadow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. 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 Can you stand to your feet? Can you stand to your feet and just lift your hands right where you're at? Thank you, Jesus. May the Lord bless you in your going out and in your coming in. May the Lord crown you with his favor. May goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. May the Lord bless you in your going out and coming in. May the Lord continue to open doors of opportunity for you and your families. May the Lord increase you and multiply everything that comes into your hands, even this week. May the Lord keep you and your family always at the right place at the right time. May the Lord keep everything that he has committed into your hands. May the Lord uh, make his face to shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you. And may you enjoy his peace this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. amen. I'll tell you this week we will be meeting.
0: Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte@gmail.com, at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.